Mark chapter 16 is our text passage. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, The Message of the Angels, or you could take this title. I have two titles, but just one sermon. That's always good news for you, isn't it? And uh, one of these days I'm going to have one title and two sermons, but uh, The Message of the Angels, or this message, it's about time for another announcement. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit, a hunger to be filled with the spirit of God, that I may deliver the word of God, not in the wisdom or ability of man, but, Lord, in demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And I pray, Lord, that our attention would be given and would be given on purpose. My heart's desire, if there are one that does not know you as Savior, Today they would receive you as their personal Savior. And then, Lord, those of us that know you in a personal way would go away rejoicing and looking forward to the next announcement that is soon to come. Bless, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Throughout the Word of God, God used the angels to deliver messages. Angels are very powerful. We find in this story it was the angel that moved the stone away. Uh, we find many examples of the strength and power of the angels and God would use them uh, to make special announcements. For example, when Samson uh, was uh, to be born, Judges 13, there was an announcement of the angels. Uh, when uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed, there was an announcement uh, of the angels. When John the Baptist was to be born in Luke chapter 1, uh, there was an announcement of uh, the angels. Uh, the angels announced uh, that uh, Mary had conceived and was with child of the Holy Spirit, and that was uh, the Christ, and that announcement in Luke 1 and verse number 11. Christ's uh, uh, birth was announced by a host of heavenly angels. There was an announcement. Here in our text passage, an angel uh, makes an announcement just to the women uh, that have gathered there. And their announcement has uh, uh, stood through the times and still echoes in our hearts and mind. He is not here. For he is risen. On that morning as dawn was breaking, it was a time of fear. You understand there had been two earthquakes now. That would get the attention of the people when Christ died. The earth that shook, there was an earthquake. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus, there was an earthquake. And now here in the morning, these women in a time of fear, a time of concern, a time of many questions. They are wandering around the city and the town, wondering what's going on. There are three groups of people. There are those that have denied him. Uh, some, uh, even as the cruel illegal trials were taking place and the false accusations were, giving, uh, were given, they cried, crucify him. They denied him. Then there were the doubters. There were times that they believed or wanted to believe or said they believed, but now their hearts were filled with doubt. Some of those were very close to the Lord uh, Jesus in his life and ministry, but now there is doubt. 
But then there's that devoted crowd of people. And they believed exactly what they heard. And they still believed even though Christ had been crucified and his body was in the tomb. Of the devoted was a little band of women who made their way through the still and early streets, darkened in the early morning, uh, the first day of the week, making their way toward the tomb. They were going to that burial place of the man that they had believed to be the Messiah, the man for whom they had left all other things behind the man who had promised life to all that would come uh, to him, but was now himself in a tomb, a grave, dead. They were no doubt confused, and they were no doubt confounded as they came near the tomb. I said this in Sunday school, I repeat, it's interesting and it's well noted that they had fear, but they had faith. And I'm glad their faith overcame their fear. Not Their fear was never completely gone, but they were driven by their faith. There's a great message there that you and I ought to be driven not by our, not to be controlled by our fear, but even though there may be some fear to be controlled by our faith and what God has said to us in his word. They were concerned about the huge stone that covered the door, and they wondered how they would get in to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus as they came inside of the tomb. They were amazed to see that the stone was rolled away. Roman guards were lying on the ground. The Bible said they were so afraid they, uh, they fainted. Now that's an interesting thing and I'll make note of that. You understand these were the most hardened, calloused men alive. These Roman soldiers have just crucified the Lord Jesus. It takes a hardened heart to drive a spike through a man's hand and through his feet. It takes a hardened soldier to run a spear into his side. It takes a hardened soldier to rip the clothes from his body, to expose his nakedness on purpose, trying to shame the crowd. It takes a hardened group of men to say to the people, Hey folks, look up there at your king. Others he saved himself. He cannot save. Hey, folks, uh, look up there at that sign. Uh, look at there. There's your king hardened men. One said to another, I'd like to have that garment so I can show my kids that I took the very garment of the one that claimed to be the Savior. And uh, they said, no, I want it. And they began to gamble away uh, uh, to see who would get that garment. Hey, but I want to tell you something, dear friend. When the earth began to shake and the stone was rolled away, those Roman guards, uh, even though they, uh, what they had gone through and their hearts were hardened, uh, they were so afraid they passed out. They were laying there around the tomb. It's interesting to me that these are not men. These are not disciples that are coming to see the Lord Jesus' tomb. These are women and women of faith. Seeing that the stone was rolled away, they ran to the tomb and they looked in only to find the body of Jesus was gone. Imagine the fear that gripped their hearts. There seems to be a pause of time here and uh, perhaps they wondered, was it the Jewish rulers that stole his body away? Was it the Romans uh, that had taken the body? Was it grave robbers that had taken the body of the Lord Jesus? And then there was a man there that was clothed in a white garment, a young man that was there inside the tomb. 
He's seeing their fear. He begins to speak and the angel makes an announcement. Look at verse number 6, if you will, please. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him as he said. I want to talk about that message that was given to these ladies here. First of all, I want to say it was a message of peace. He said, be not affrighted. It's interesting to me because that's the same message that the Lord has always given to his people from the time of the beginning to this very hour today. You and I are not to live in fear, but we're to live in faith. In every dispensation of time, there was real reason to be afraid. But in every dispensation of time, whether it was an angel or whether it was a prophet or whether it is a preacher today, the word declares you and I are supposed to live by faith and not be controlled by fear. He said to Abraham, fear not. He said to Moses, fear not. He said to Joshua, fear not. He said to Samuel, fear not. He said to the psalmist and the psalmist said to others, fear not. The message of the prophets was fear not. The words of the Lord Jesus on the banks of the Jordan River were fear not. He said to his church even under times of persecution and being scattered, fear not. He says today, this morning, April 4th, 2021, even though the circumstances around us are frustrating and they are even frightening, the message today, because of a risen Savior, is fear not. Hey, you're on that winning side. And I want to say this morning, the resurrection gives us peace. It gives us faith over fear. Faith over fear. We're not to fear for our salvation. The Bible tells us that we can know, that we know that we're saved. 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. We have fear even in death. Yesterday as I conducted a, a, a funeral service here and we remembered the life of Mark Fugit and we saw his pictures and we, and we remembered his life. Oh, we don't have fear. We have faith because the child of God has no fear even in the time of death because it is not an end. It's not a death. It's a departure. We'll see him again. So the message of the angels was, fear not. It was a message of peace. Second of all, I want you to notice it was a message of power. I like this. Isn't it powerful just to say, he is risen? Take any leader of any world, of any time, of any dispensation, and uh, there is some book that will tell you where that leader's body is buried. There's some who claim to be saviors of the world and saviors of people. 
uh, but there is somebody or there is a book or there is a guide that can take you to the place uh, and say this is where his body or their body or a part of their body uh, is buried. Ah, but of the Lord Jesus, uh, uh, he had a borrowed tomb. He only needed a borrowed tomb. And he knew whom uh, that it would be borrowed from. And he knew that he wouldn't be needing it because it was Jesus who was in charge not just of death and life, but all life and all uh, living. And we can say of him a message of power. He is risen. Not he has risen, not he was risen. He is risen. And I want to point out the fact he's not the first person in the Bible to raise from the dead. John chapter 11 tells us the story of Lazarus and how he raised from the dead. But Lazarus died again. He's dead. The widow of Nain's son, Luke chapter 7, he rose. As Jesus raised him from the dead, Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5, oh, but Jesus was the first to ever get up out of the grave and never die again. He didn't just overcome death that day. He conquered death. And that's why I praise him. That's why I worship him. That's why my faith is in him. He didn't have a, a one victory in a line of many battles of a war. He overcame death and he's seated at the right hand of the Father today. At the moment of salvation, life is imparted to us and we become alive in him. An old preacher said, and he said it often, he said, if you ever hear that I died, don't believe it. He said, I'm not going to die. I'm going to change bodies. I'm going to change address. Ah, but if you, if, if you hear tell that I died, you tell them I just moved. And it may be uh, heaven uh, that I've gone to because when I got saved, he gave to me eternal life. You see, it's a message of power. I thank God for the resurrection power that lives within every believer this morning that at the day when the Lord calls will be raised incorruptible. It was not only a message of peace. It was not only a message of power. Notice in verse number 6, it was a message of potential. He is not here. Take your Bibles if you want and go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was gone from the tomb, but he was at work in the will of the Father. You see, Jesus came for a purpose, and Jesus lives today for a purpose. It's interesting to read John's account. If you're there, you'll find this in John 20 and verse number 16. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I'm not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. This is interesting. 
What did Jesus do? Where did Jesus go? I don't know exactly the timing of all of this, but at some time Jesus acted as the high priest. And listen to me now, the blood that was shed at Calvary just a few days ago, that blood is not in the ground. That blood was a sacrifice for sin. And at some point in time, Jesus being our high priest, he took that blood and he entered into the tabernacle of heaven where is that mercy seat and that is the place where the blood sacrifice and atonement is made for the sins of mankind. And Jesus took his blood, that innocent blood, that sinless blood to pay for the sins of mankind. Here's what the Bible says and describes it in Hebrews chapter Chapter 9 and verse number 11. But Christ being become an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, one sacrifice. I'm glad when I got saved that did me for all eternity. I'm glad when I got saved that did me for all eternity. He made one sacrifice and one sacrifice only. And then the Bible said he sat down on the right hand of God. You see, this resurrection message was one of peace. It was one of power but it was also one of great potential. Because you see, when he arose from the grave, it made not only me have eternal life, it made my life rich from here through eternity. Do you know that the Father is still working today? The Lord Jesus is still working today. Do you know the Bible tells us that he makes intercession for us? I like that. He makes intercession for us. That means he tells the Father what I need. That's what the Bible says Jesus is doing. What a powerful resurrection. He's acting as our intercessor. Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 13. The Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus is watching over us. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2 that he is our advocate. That means he's our lawyer. I like that verse. Look at it. 1 John 2, 2. I want to show you something quickly. And I've got to get to the real point of the message. It's time for another announcement. 1 John 2, 2. I like it. And he is a propitiation for our sins. Let, let me read verse number 1. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. What does that mean? If man sins after his salvation, we have an attorney. We have an advocate with the Father. Who is it? Jesus Christ the righteous. He's a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Do you see that? You understand that when we get saved, not only does he take our sin away, but he never imputes sin again. 
Now, now, let me tell you what the devil does. He's the accuser of the brethren. So when you sin, he goes to the father and said, Hey, did you see what he did? Hey, did you see what Brother Young did? Hey, and Brother Swartz keeps him busy. He said, Did you see what Brother Swartz did uh, this week? And, uh, and, and the devil accuses us before the father. Ah, oh, but the Lord Jesus stands up and says, Wait just a minute. I'm his attorney, and I paid for all of his sins on the cross of Calvary. He is mine, and I'm not going to impute that sin on his record you see he's busy working today the potential of the resurrection of all that Christ did for me he's my advocate then number four it was a message of promise look at verse number seven you shall see him again isn't that good you shall see him again I was talking uh, talking to sister Martha's daughter and son-in-law over here this morning and um, there's a sorrow in your heart to lose a loved one. It, it, it doesn't matter the age of mom and dad, of grandparents. There's an empty feeling that we have that they're gone. But as we spoke this morning, we rejoiced in the fact that our sorrow is temporary. We'll see our loved ones again. And can I tell you, though, it was a message of peace. That's good. Message of power. That's wonderful. He's risen. Mes- a message of potential. Oh, but a wonderful promise. You'll see him again. You're going to see him again. He's not gone forever. You will see him again. And that's how the promise ended. And this is how the announcement ended. This must have lifted their hearts and their hopes. These women that came to the tomb, they'd come to the tomb that morning not knowing what to expect. And they left with the promise that they would look upon his living face again. Can you imagine the excitement? Let's think back in Jerusalem what's going on. Think with me of all the various people that saw and heard about the crucifixion and knew of the burial of Christ. Think of the fear that's going on, the anxiety, the uneasiness, the wonder, the questions, the amazement. There have been two earthquakes. Judas had tried to return the 30 pieces of silver that he sold the Savior for. He's gone out and committed suicide now. Word is spreading about the death of Judas. The priests that had held the mockery trial in the night when they heard he had risen. No doubt those priests had a lump in their throat, dry mouth and sweaty palms. Pilate still washing his hands, trying to get the innocent blood of Jesus from his hands. The soldiers that had driven the nails gambled for his robe and mocked him. Perhaps they had spent the last three days in a drunken celebration now have headaches and heartaches of fear because word is spreading that Jesus has risen. The darkened streets were no doubt an eerie place to travel. There were the deniers, the doubters, the devoted. When the deniers heard that Jesus had risen, there was a fear that gripped their hearts. When the doubters heard that Jesus had risen, there was a remorse, there was a regret in their heart. Ah, but when the devoted heard that Jesus had risen, there was a great rejoicing because they remembered. He said, I'm going to go to the heart of earth. He said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. And he was talking about the fact that himself would die and would be planted in the heart of the earth. But after three days and nights, he would come up from the grave as the choir sang so well this morning. And I rejoice in that all, but wait just a minute. We stand at another point in time in history where evil abounds all around us. On every hand and in every newscast. There are folks today that are saying 
It's all a myth. It's all a hoax. There is no living Savior, heaven, and Jesus. The mockers are laughing at the devoted child of God and his church. Yesterday afternoon as I was here praying for the day today, I received a message and it said this, the ignorant conservative Christians have just about lost their hold on America and on Kentucky. They said, preacher, you can just get used to it. We're going to have alcohol served everywhere. and We'll be free to gamble any place and anywhere we want to gamble. There's not a thing can be done about it. I thought to myself, that's what those Roman soldiers thought when they were gambling away the robe of the Lord Jesus. Hey, that's what that crowd said when they were saying, hey, I'm going to take this robe home. I'm going to let everybody know I got the robe of Jesus. Huh? Evil and wickedness like has not been heard of since the days of Noah are being reported on every hand all around us. You know it's true. There's immorality, indecency, murder, hatred all on every hand. And I'm here to tell you this morning it's just about time for the announcement of another angel. Take your Bibles, if you will, and go with me in closing this morning to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. And I want to tell you, there's going to be another announcement as I, and as I understand uh, the Bible and I understand prophecy. I understand what's going on around us as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Folks, it's just about time for another announcement. I called your attention, your memory to the fact in Acts chapter 1 when the Lord Jesus had gathered and had seen many, many, seen by many, many people. He ascended into heaven and they said, Why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus that you've seen go shall so come in like manner. Jesus is coming again. Oh, I know the past generation preached about it. I know other Easter services have talked about it. Ah, but hear me well as folk mock. Folks won't listen to the gospel message. Folks ignore the preaching and the preacher and sometimes even make fun. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. I like it every Sunday morning when these trumpets over here start playing. I like to be used to the sound of the trumpet. Makes my feet get light. When I hear the sounding of the trumpet, the voice of the trumpet, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Laugh on, O Satan, you laughed before. Mock on, O heathen world, you mocked when they put him in the grave. Scorn the name and Wonderful, precious name of Jesus and the eternal word of God. Make fun of the Bible thumpers, if you will. But the next angel that makes an announcement will be announcing, Jesus is now appearing in the sky. <laughs> Wouldn't this be a great day for him to come again? I don't know about you, but friend, I'm ready for the sound. I'm ready for the sound of the trumpet that dead in Christ will rise first, and we're going to meet them in the air. Judgment is going to begin on this old world. Won't be a laughing matter. In fact, I don't want anybody, no one in their right mind would want anybody to go through those judgments. I'm glad tonight, this morning that he rose from the grave. 
and he's coming again. Stand with me, if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to ask you two questions this morning. How many of you, there's been a time in your life that you said, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my personal Savior. In some form, in some way or another, you prayed a prayer like that and you've received Christ as your Savior. Would you raise your hand as a testimony of that saying, yes, I have prayed. I have received Christ as my Savior. Thank you. May put your hands down in no way ever. Would I embarrass anyone? I'm not trying to do that, but I do want to pray for those that may need to know Christ as Savior. You see, as we conduct these weddings almost week after week, and I tell the beautiful story of how they came together dating, and the day came when he said to her, Would you be my bride? She simply said, Yes. They come to the marriage altar and they exchange those vows. I ask you, have you ever said yes to Jesus? If you haven't, would you be willing to today? Is there anyone here that would say, Preacher, pray for me? I need to receive Christ as my Savior. I've never prayed the sinner's prayer, asking Christ to give me eternal life. Would you raise your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I need to do that. God bless you. God bless you. There are those today you've been saved and you're going to be baptized this morning. If you'll step out of your seat and make your way down the aisle, we'll prepare for baptism here shortly. You can come on right now and there are folks that are preparing for that. As Jesus said, when you see these signs, lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. It's about time for another announcement. Heavenly Father, bless our invitation time, a time of prayer, a time of thinking soberly, maybe a time of correction, a time of confession. I pray, Lord, that each of us would desire not only to celebrate the day, but that our hearts and our lives will be right with you in this hour. Bless our invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.